What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're going to be speaking with James Eichner from Sana Packaging about how they're using hemp to fight back on the big waste problem that the cannabis industry is facing right now. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So what's going on, Miggy and Tom? Happy Wednesday. It's at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. (laughs) That's great. And we had Danny Danko on on Monday. That was pretty dope. Check out our Monday show with Danny Danko. It was really awesome. I liked how he... uh, Some people were confusing him for you. (laughs) Well, it's the whole bear look you know oh, okay uh, yeah. i didn't know that that was that what you were going for bear i i that's what i'm told i go for <laughs> right on but um yeah but yeah so, yeah but he was you know the great points about uh home grow uh you know priorities of fighting for uh against the stigma i mean that yeah. was something that was big and then i presented yesterday to um these guys so let me share my screen i should have done that earlier uh share screens that's why I shouldn't have said I was ready. And now I get the apple wheel of death, which means no. we're close, close to the time where I have to go and um, upset, you know, and, and change out all the uh, the data that's in there because thrashing errors and all that. But I went to Green and Shy yesterday, and uh, this was a, kind of a fun event uh, at Hubbard, Hubbard Inn, it's a place in Chicago, I guess. And so, like, I actually led with the same thing that I Oh, and so um, the same thing that I say in all my videos was like, hi, my name is Tom. You can find me by Googling cannabis lawyer and clicking on my website, cannabisindustrylawyer.com, an online resource for all your legal questions about the cannabis industry. People started laughing when I did that. And I'm like, holy shit, how many of these people have actually seen me do that before on YouTube? That's fucking awesome, dude. Oh, wait, come back. You're syncing up. I would like to thank Comcast for being a complete bitch. And so this is the problem, though. I might not be able to come to Chicago on Wednesdays no more if I don't have a YouTube studio. Oh, uh, well, yeah. like, I mean, like every day that we try to do this, it, it I'm guaranteed to be out, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that sucks, dude. I mean, your connection just sucks, period. <laughs> it's fine in Peoria, but now I have to get one in uh, Chicago. Um, and I'll be working on that because you know what came out yesterday? Oh, yeah, new regs? No, no, more than the new regs. It is the um, it's the growers app. So the regs came out actually um, a few days prior to this. And I'm sure on the growers app, if we look and we search for it, I bet we can find recycling. Nope, not recycling. How about environmental? Uh, envelope. There you go. Environmental plan. Exhibit I. Wow. Exhibit H. Exhibit I. There we are. We'll talk to him, our guests, later about the environmental plan that was on that. But uh, craft growers, and not yeah. just the craft growers, the infuser and the transporters all came out yesterday. So now you can start preparing to apply to be a grower in Illinois. Man, I, I heard that uh, some dispensaries or your pot shops have stopped selling recreational because you guys are so low. Yeah, that's right. No shit. That's why we, we got it right here. That's why you stocked up before. That's why I stocked up. I wasn't going to be without my wedding crashers, but uh, no, I bought that weeks ago. And so I haven't been, but they did. They clocked in at almost $11 million in their first five days. But then you have to remember. Oh, wait, you're on mute now. Oh, you're just mixing it up. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Nope, you're still on mute, bro. Yep. Yep. I'll put words in your mouth. You just keep moving your mouth. (laughs) Hi, my name is Tom. I'm your camera's lawyer. I like pie. (laughs) 
hey bro i think it's on the um the program itself no like are you clicked on the um because it has the little mute indicator All right there you go now right, how's that Woo! we are technical on this bitch Yep, uh, this might be the last show out of Chicago because this uh, studio is jank, yo. I mean, like the one in Peoria, I can actually work, but then the one in Chicago, it's a piece of shit. Um, par for the course, but Chicago's expensive, you know? <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, fuck, that sucks. But you guys are going through the pot, uh, the pot apocalypse. Like Potocalypse. A- no, yeah. there's plenty of um, old, old uh, cartridges and oils left. But uh, yeah, they clocked in at like 10.8 million for the first five days, which essentially is just ringing the registers as fast as they can ring. And that's pretty much what happened the first day. I mean, they just only had so many places that you could buy weed. So yeah, um, yeah those registers just rang. Lauren was in line and she actually didn't get in line. I mean, like she was in line. And then she was dropped. Hey, Lauren, come on for a second and explain to us your first day of pot story. It was just <laughs> messy. Uh, but I mean, everybody was really nice. We went to D33. It took a, they said it was going to take like three hours to get you through. You had to sign in like with the app where like uh, they text you kind of like restaurants. They'll text you a couple like a few minutes later. Oh, yeah. Uh, said it was going to take three hours. It came four hours, five hours, six hours, seven oh. hours. We were just like, let's go home. If we get the text, we get the text. Then we get the text like 30 minutes later. After they closed, saying we're not going to be able to take care of you. So we went like two days later. Uh, they had like some products, but not everything we wanted. But it was still fun. Everybody was really professional. We yeah. got a so. I mean, it's a cool experience because it's it's legal, right? Yeah. Uh, and something that didn't exist before January first. Right. Uh, you know, um, I think Michigan only did 1.7 million in, in recreational sales in the first week. And I think that's, that comes down to the culture thing, too, right? Because you guys only have so many grows and dispensaries. You know, those cats have been all over it, you know, for years. But that's wild that you guys are so short and so long, the lines. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, Lauren, when you were buying, was everything shrink-wrapped? You're just basically buying it off an iPad? No, you can't inspect any product? You can't see any product? We didn't really get to do any of that Yeah, It was really kind of an in-and-out situation. They were expediting, shouting people's names and stuff. It was It was... Really yeah, well, they're just trying to make sure that people get their weed or there's their cannabis, their supply, which is important, by the way. But um, so now there's going to be a lot of these and then a lot of these cartridges is piling up. So how are we going to recycle that problem? Well, that's that's one of the things. I mean, like it is legitimately in the uh, the application. It's your environmental plan. Now, it's only 20 points out of like a thousand. So it really doesn't count for for much at all because it's just 20 points but provide or demonstrate a plan to minimize carbon footprint environmental impact and resource needs for the production of cannabis and any plans for use of alt energy and treatment of exchange heated air so you know two percent of your points not that much but still they put some focus on and they put a lot more focus i think on the, the dispensaries for the actual recycling well, the whole fucking goddamn uh, package requirement is just way excess already. Uh, you know, package. when that was that's another. Uh, now that is actually worth a lot more than two percent of the points. I think oh, that was like nine point five percent of the points. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it would be great to have. So when we talk to our guest, I mean, his product alone would add you nine points. Uh, let's let's go here. The product safety and labeling plan. So it's exhibit E on your uh, your craft grow application. It's worth 95 points out of a thousand point uh, scale. So it's worth 9.5%. And you have 55 pages 
to do a your plan for safe, accurate packaging and labeling. Plan for testing cannabis, ensuring all cannabis is free from contaminants. Describe the plan for establishing a product recall in the event of defective product or health consequences to consumers, including methods of identifying product, notifying dispensaries, communication, and disposal of returned product. That's um, it's boring. We did a whole bunch of those for the dispensary applications. We're going to do a whole bunch of them for the craft growers, and then also I would assume the infuser applications, but. Yeah, your um, your product labeling and packaging is really important here in Illinois. No, I mean, like you said, it's boring, but it's such a necessity. I mean, compliance politician to take the fun out of fucking weed. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's one of the things that I mentioned yesterday. Is like you know, hey, uh, they're complaining about labeling requirements and packaging requirements and how high the cost of the barriers or entry are to, which assume a seemingly like innocent and easy thing to do, grow a plant. Uh, and I had to explain like, this is basically food. I mean, like this is something that you ingest or you inhale. And so you want to make sure that it's free from any contaminants or impurities or anything like that. And, um, well, the only way that you can do that is reg, you know, I mean, if you don't have those regulations that require that and that test for it, how do you, you know, how do you guarantee the public is getting access to safe, pure cannabis? Well, you're, you're talking about like, the the from the grow i mean if lab testing was a requirement you know you know it's back to my if if we had one rule it'd be lab testing regulation that's it you know regulate the labs make them provide that quality test you know spectrum uh pesticides metals uh because you know people smoke cigarettes and people yes. are gonna smoke shitty weed you know so let the people consumer smoke know. Shitty weed. people will smoke shit with pesticides in it they, they 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 don't you know they don't some people don't care but some people do and, and so that's where the market will, I think, even itself out. Because it, when it was medical here, that was one of the things that kicked our ass as far as the medical program was people saying, well, you're not regulated. Well, I mean, what is regulation? What, you know, some labs were, some bros were getting their shit tested. Some places were, not everybody. But if you were to flatline, put it across the bro, you know, it would be for the consumer, in my opinion. Because even if you put it in packaging, then you still have to account for storage, you know, so it can still right. get molds and all the other shit that can happen with bad handling. So, you know, the packaging requirement is just way excessive because we used to uh, uh, have like open jars, like mason jars. Yeah. You guys used to have bud tenders that could use chopsticks to pick out nuggets. That will never happen uh, this year, at least in Illinois. That would be fantastic to see that type of uh, ability to do selection and enjoy the product uh, from the experiential sense, like, you know, going to uh, a vineyard and then you get a taste yeah. of wine at the end of it. It's kind of like that where you get to see the nuggets and then you get to smell them. But no, in, in Illinois, so like this would have been an eighth of wedding crashers from Revolution Cannabis. And uh, it's already in a childproof kind of package because you need to slide this to create this little foot here that you could then pop it open. Huh. Uh, but it's it's not only in that childproof package, it also has these particular things that, you know, shows you that was on the test and then it was shrink wrapped as well. And, you know, that's that's just the way that it is here in Illinois, where you can't really get that uh, experience where you get to see and pick out your own nuggets. It's too bad, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, we, as we talked with Danny, you know, we're still a far way where we were before, you know? Uh, right. you know sure, this is over-regulation, um, and it's a pain in the ass, and it's shitty, but uh, it's more than better than what we had before. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that was, the, that was one of the rejoinders that I had yesterday at the 
what do they call it? Green and shy over at the Hubbard. In and uh, again, I'm going to be going to this next one that's coming up on January 22nd. So, uh oh, news news alert there on January 22nd at the Godfrey Hotel Roofscape. We're gonna. That's what it is. That's what it is. That means that I have to do January 22nd show from Chicago. So I'll be going in and out on January 22nd show. And I and I and I hope that like I'll be able to time it. So I'd be like, guys, the most important thing is, and then just out you know lose connection yeah yeah, yeah. just be frozen yeah of course but uh no I, with my luck i'll probably fart on camera or something well uh, yeah man but it was a lot of fun and then i had to like mention that to some of the people that they really want to get in and then i ex explained like how expensive it is why it's that expensive and i'm like yeah that really does suck it'd be awesome if it could be more open for everybody to get into it but it's better than it was yesterday, you know? Yeah, um, yeah no, exactly it. And then uh, was there any consumption at your event? Did, mm -mm. You know, were there any super sessions or anything? Well, look, um, there wasn't any consumptions at the event. Right. So, no, no, of course not. But then there was, they can serve drinks because you can get that liquor license. Yeah. Uh, because that's fine. Uh, there there was product, of course, but that product was not for sale. Yeah. For how it wound up there, to be honest. Um, you know, that's the problem that a lot of the, the legal cannabis industry is, is that it's still, it's a secret, you know, you don't have to, you can't tell, talk about it too much. Like where did that weed come from? Because like, if you have your ounce, well, actually you need to have less than an ounce on you. Great. Do you have like a license and registration for that ounce? Is that ounce, you know, and then I have my medical card. So I could in theory have like a Mason jar of nuggets less than an ounce and I could be like, no, no, that's my uh, medical supply that I grew personally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's silly. Yeah. I just think, uh, cause these events that happen in, in, in a lot of people, it's the new way of networking. Right. I, I mean, before it used to be back alleys and shaking hands and now we're in suits and, you know, trying to dress so somewhat up and yep. you talk to somebody, a grower, and then, you know, that's when you meet later on that day or after, or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, and I wonder if our guest goes to these events because I imagine they're trying to, but they have such a great product. I think people should be flooded to them instead of vice versa. Well, it's it's one of those things where the packaging requirements are not going away. That is just not going away. And neither is this green movement toward more environmentalism in cannabis and just in general. That's not going away either. So how do you fix the problem of having these these little plastic things, and after they have weed in it, didn't you say that they won't allow them to be recycled in Washington State? If they yeah, because yeah, it's contaminated now because, you know, the THC. Well, you're going to melt down the plastic and, like, turn it into something else. Contaminated with what, you know? Well, they also use glass jars, too. Some of these, some of these fucking vendors are, are – uh, I pay, say, $10 for a gram. And it'll come right. in a glass jar, way excessive packaging. I feel the glass. I'm like, this thing must cost at least, you know, 50 cents or whatever, you know, if you're buying in bulk. And it's like, how much of the money that I just gave? Because also, obviously, the taxes and all that shit, but mm -hmm. went to making that weed. And it's not that much when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're growing on that big of a, a spectrum. But yeah, just even glass. It's like, all you can do is wash it out and then, you know, melt it out again. No, so, I think you, I think you could recycle these things in Illinois. Let me just check on the bottom of this. Uh, it's got a number four on it. Yeah, I, I, and I imagine I would hope Illinois would have thought about that, or at least they're reconsidering it. You know. Well, that was like in everybody's application. Oh, that was the other thing. Did I tell you about the application numbers in Illinois? 
Yeah, how like you were like number 200, but you also had like five applications. So, right. And so, like, the numbers weren't the numbers really. And so, yeah. there were over 700 unique applications. So, like, 700 individual teams applied for yeah. the 75 licenses. But do you know how many applications those 700 put in? Uh -huh. 4,000. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. 4,000 yeah. applications for 75 licenses. Now, and then again, like, 600 out of that 700 was social equity. So they got half the cost of their non-refundable application fee of $2,500. 4,000 times 2,500 is an extra $10 million the state generated. Bam. So they generated $10 million in uh, money from non-refundable application fees. They generated almost $11 million in four, four days or five days of sales. Illinois loves weed, man. Yeah. Well, yep. it, Let's let's talk about packaging then. Let's get our guests on and then uh, talk about uh, how we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's going on? How's it going? Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Sana Packaging? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we design and develop cannabis packaging for a circular economy. Um, my business partner Ron and I started Sana Packaging uh, as a school project in graduate school in 2016 and uh, have been working on it full-time since the spring of 2017 after going through the Canopy Boulder Accelerator program. We just finished our first uh, full year as an operational company and uh, we're excited to, uh, you know, hopefully take 2020 by storm. I think you, uh, you left out, James, though. You guys are uh, hemp-based products, right? Yeah, so we we are uh, we work with a few different material types. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as material agnostic. Uh, we're really just trying to find the uh, best materials possible for us to use for packaging. Which, um, you know, from a sustainability and circularity standpoint, uh, can mean a few things. But the materials we work with currently include 100% plant-based hemp plastic and 100% reclaimed ocean plastic. Where do you get your source materials? Um, so <clears throat> for the hemp plastic, we currently work with two different suppliers. Um, all of our materials, uh, all of our inputs for our hemp plastic are sourced in North America. So the United States and Canada, uh, a big part of uh, what we want to do is also localize packaging, uh, especially with bio-based materials. Uh, a big thing you're always going to be dealing with is transportation. Mm. And, you know, the further those materials travel, the less of a sustainability benefit they'll end up having. That was uh, in my environmental plan. That was in a lot yeah. of teams' environmental plans of like, well, how are we going to reduce the carbon footprint of our cannabis companies? And one of them was like, hire local, you know? Yeah, or, you know, don't don't shit, don't buy your packaging from overseas. Uh, Cause even if it's a sustainable material, but being made overseas, a lot of that value is going to be lost just by shipping it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, and then for our reclaimed ocean plastic, we've uh, partnered with ocean works, which is a company here in Los Angeles as well. And they have a global uh, network that they work with to collect, sort and process those materials. That one, aren't they also doing uh, taking plastics from that island the size of Texas? Uh, I don't know all the, you know, I know the the plastic we're using, uh, which is a 100% HDPE, that's currently being collected in Haiti. 
Uh, I don't know all the different locations where Oceanworks collects their material, but you know, it's it's definitely you know over half a dozen uh, sources. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, but then the uh, the hemp materials that you make, so that uh, or you create packaging in, is it more like hemp plastics? Yeah, it's absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's a plastic. Uh, what we do is we take a uh, a PLA base, uh, which is corn based, and then we infuse that with a uh, micronized hemp herd. Uh, we also use bio based binders, so the f- final product is truly a hundred percent plant based. Oh wow! And really, our our goal here is to you know we know that plant based is the direction we need to be moving in for single-use products like packaging mm-hmm. um so that's kind of more of a, a forward-looking material and yeah. then the reclaimed ocean plastic is looking more at a current problem uh and how we can you know create an impact that's um, awesome now you're here hemp plastics that you're sourcing though those come out of canada and not united states yet uh no uh both of our uh suppliers that we work with are based in the US. One is in North Dakota. Nice. One is in uh North Carolina. Uh however they source, you know, they're the ones compounding the material and sourcing all the raw materials. We're just purchasing uh, you know, plastic from them. Mm. Um and they source their hemp from the United States and Canada. Cool. Good. Yeah, because that's the that's the big limiting factor in the hemp market. And I wasn't puffing on no real joint. That was uh, some delicious Oregonian lifter hemp. And so a lot of the hemp uh, marketplace has been the smokable hemp flour or just the CBD biomass. And the hard thing that uh, is going for the hemp industry is who's going to invest these monies to create these types of machines or facilities, industrial facilities that you can then take uh, you know, more industrial applications of the hemp plant as opposed to just its cannabinoid profile. So I was kind of curious if they were coming out of Canada where their hemp market is more mature, especially toward the industrial side, or if there were actually businesses in the United States that are starting to expand their hemp um, products beyond the cannabinoid of the f- uh, flowering female tops. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's definitely starting to happen in the United States. You know, as I said, both of our suppliers are domestic. Um, at the same time, I, I wouldn't say from, you know, Canada is definitely ahead of us in terms of the industrial applications of hemp. But compared to any other, you know, industrial industry like that, uh, it's still got, you know, light years to go in terms of, you know, getting not just the domestic, but the global infrastructure set up for hemp to really take off as uh, an industrial material. Yeah, something I didn't know uh, that Tom and I learned uh, in one of our first couple shows was I didn't know that you had to have a, a, a hemp for CBD properties or hemp for biomass properties. You had to grow it with that intent. I just assume hemp, you just made it and that was you can you can do anything you wanted with it. So uh, and then we we because we've known for years that hemp can make paper and do all the other things that, um, you know, you're doing it out. But the, the issues, it has always been the cost. Like you were saying, um, you know, it's always extra for that hemp container. Um, how are you able to compete with all this cheap plastic and all the other stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, I think we're really fortunate to be telling a compelling story with our products and bringing, some much needed and desired attention to, you know, the issue of 
cannabis packaging waste. And we also are fortunate to be operating in an industry that, you know, tends to be progressive skewing in its environmental views. Um, so we haven't had too much issue with, uh, you know, our pricing, we are definitely priced at a premium compared to your cheapest alternatives. Um, that said, it's all been, uh, it's been working out great for us. Uh, you know, our, our pricing is affected by a few things. One is just our, our manufacturing capabilities, uh, given that we're a small company. So as we grow, we'll be able to push down costs just by increasing our scale. And then of course, uh, specifically with the hemp-based materials, uh, you know, we're really just playing the long game there. It's going to be realistically, um, I think, you know, at least five to seven years until it's truly um, at a comparable price with with a lot of other materials. And well, maybe what we need is a plastic tax. You know, I hear everybody talking about taxing sodas, <laughs> but uh, why don't they tax plastic and then uh, put the price of that up so that, you know, we were just well, you were talking, I had shared this. So this is one of your products, this hemp tube here. Yep. And uh, so this is like a completely biodegradable plastic that you can put your, it's not just for dubs, it's uh, for vapes or for pre-rolls, huh? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, that's the 78 millimeter uh, hemp tube. We also have a 110 millimeter one. Um, then we have the same uh, two products also available in reclaimed ocean plastic. And then beyond that, they, they, start to differ which product you make out of which material. Uh, but yeah, that, that was one of our flagship products. Right on. And you know, it's great that you've already been in business for a year and, and I hope to see, like you're saying in five years, you see it being more embraced and it's kind of ironic into the cannabis culture where you would think hemp would have been the first freaking material that people have been clinging to or jumping on, you know, uh, you know, bragging rights, you know, we use sauna packaging for all our shit. I mean, this is something that needs to be emphasized because I, when I buy my joint or I buy, I do pick what the company's doing good. I like to look at the packaging, you know, or I don't, the tubes, if I see one in like a, a, a plastic container or a little cardboard, I'd rather have those because I know that they'll get more, you know, dissolved better than a tube, but uh, a hemp packaging, you would think more producers and more uh, uh, people in the business would be jumping on you and just, you know, just grabbing you up, man. Yeah, I mean, we, we do get a crazy amount of reach out. Um, you know, I think upwards of, you know, 50 inquiries a week. So it's well, that's one of the things that I can, if when we're putting together the applications for our craft grows or for our um, uh, kitchens, you know, for our infusers, you know, maybe we'll be like, yeah, we're exploring using a biodegradable packaging material because it looks like, you know, you have this and it's also like childproof. All right, check that, that little, uh, uh, compliance requirement off, but then uh, can we tie it back into your environmental plan? And then it, it gets back into like your company's brand of of sustainability and like creating something that's going to leave the world a better place. You know, absolutely. And we've we've actually found, you know, obviously, you know, of course, some uh, potential weeds are you know turned off by the price, and and that's that. Uh, there's no way around that. But what we've found is that most of our customers just end up. Um, wrapping our packaging just straight into their marketing and branding. Um, you know, there's, and, and they really start integrating it as part of their brand story, which they should be. And that's what we want them to be doing. Yeah. So at that point, it's, you know, almost, you know, we tell them to, we tell our customers to look at it as more of a marketing expense than anything. Right. Um, yeah. 
that also has, you know, creates great impact. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have presence in Washington state? We do. We have a few customers in Washington. Um, not a whole ton. You know, I think our, our four biggest states or our five biggest states are California, Colorado, Oregon, uh, Oklahoma, and North Carolina. Uh, but, you know, we're in probably over 20 states. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll sure. be in Illinois before too long. We've got a few customers in Illinois, actually. Nice. Right. Which ones are you guys making their uh, their stuff for? Which uh, producer? Because like you know, I know it's not Revolution. This is a this is clearly plastic. Yeah. Well, let me see if I have my customers. Because you guys only have uh, three. We only have like twelve. Uh, we only have like twenty cultivation licenses, but okay. then those tw there's only nineteen that are actually currently in use, and then there's overlap on those nineteen. So there's maybe like. 12 or so actual cultivators in the state of Illinois. Gotcha. Hey, Tom, while he's looking, uh, somebody's asking, uh, did they change the laws in Illinois for cannabis paraphernalia, bowls, papers, et cetera? I have no idea. Yeah, uh, I don't think that would be a thing, you know, as far as uh, possession, because it's it's a way to consume the cannabis no matter what. Yeah, I, and like uh, the other thing is, you know, lawyers or doctors, same thing. So you find out somebody's a doctor, you ask them about any malady that you have. You find out if somebody's a lawyer, you ask them about any question you have about the law. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are you a bank or a cannabis company? No, <laughs> I cannot help you. <laughs> uh, our, our Illinois customers, some of them include uh, Little Birdie, uh, Well Vibes Organics, and the Hemp Foundry. Nice. Hemp Foundry, nice. You know, if you had a, a list on your website of all your supplier people you supply to, like you said, it's a branding bragging right. I, I, I just think that everybody should be in a goddamn hemp. I mean, there's so much fucking waste. I had a bag full of uh, jars, and like you heard earlier in Washington, they don't recycle um, these uh, containers. Yeah, that's so unbelievable, James. Do they recycle? Like, can you recycle your cannabis containers in California? Uh, you know, it really that the way those recycling laws work is, you know, they differ so much state by state. So, you know, for instance, in, in Colorado is a similar thing. Um, and we were part of the work group that got the, the legislation changed, but, um, you know, Colorado just started accepting, um, cannabis packaging for recycling. Uh, you know, I heard you talking earlier in the show about, you know, it being you know, contaminated with, you know, drug residue, <laughs> uh, yeah. lack of a better term, which is just so ridiculous. Um, and, yeah. And I, and I think California is even more complicated because it, it so much of California varies um, even just on like the, the county and like municipality level, you know, whether you can or can't do something um, yep. cannabis related. Uh, so Cal California is uh, a whole behemoth. Yeah, you guys are a mess out there, in my opinion. Like, and I think everybody's a mess when it comes to legal cannabis, to be honest. But the, having the ability of the state to not have a restriction and then to allow the municipality, you're just asking for corruption, you know, because then you have you just have to buy off one guy as opposed to buying off the entire state if you could, you know. So like the, that's happened out in Massachusetts. We've had yeah. people on the show that will talk about how Massachusetts. Uh, mayors are getting indicted for super bribery when it comes to cannabis licenses. I've seen, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some like news stories pop up about that uh, towards the end of the year. I think there's a few. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we had one here in Washington uh, when it was medical. Uh, uh, a guy had the heart. Uh, it was a tax guy trying to shake him down. So, yeah, I mean, it's an unfair uh, position that people in cannabis are in. But you had the best one being auxiliary or auxiliary uh, company. Ancillary. Ancillary. Thank you. I'm sorry. You Don't ask me to spell that. <laughs> I can use it in a sentence. <laughs> but yeah, I, and I, I just think the ancillary support for cannabis is really the best move for a lot of people. Were you in packaging at all? Marketing? What was your what was your thing you were going for? Uh, my professional background prior to cannabis uh, was mostly in the uh, social and environmental justice sectors, along with a very brief stint in the music industry. That would have been hilarious if the very brief stint was in the corporate m and I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, just something like ruthless, you know? You want to save the world. Oh, he's frozen again. That's what happens when I start talking about, uh, you know, surreptitious diabolical things. Comcast is like mute. Yeah. <laughs> Try yeah. to save the world again. <laughs> yeah, stop him. Man. <laughs> That's dope, though, man. I, mean, I can imagine, like, you wake up every day and just going, all right, we're helping uh, the world be a better place again. You know, like your your product's uh, biodegradable or you're just pulling from the ocean and, and saving turtles. I mean, that's it's a fucking amazing company you got going on, bro. Thanks. Yeah. yeah and, you know, we need neither Ron or myself uh, had a background in packaging prior to starting uh, Sana Packaging. As I mentioned, we, we met in grad school. We were at CU Boulder um, getting our MBAs. And really, we we just came at it from the perspective of frustrated cannabis consumers because we spent several years in the, you know, Colorado rec market just um, dealing with the packaging as consumers. And then, you know, it really our founding uh, mantra has always been that, you know, we're, we're here to try and solve a problem, not sell a widget. Right on. How do you solve this problem? Yeah, you solve the problem. I have no, I have no idea that it's things get so complicated so fast once you start mixing materials, right? And you know that's glass and metal and different. And and then then this actually, I mean, I've I've gone through a lot of vape cartridges, so I'm committing the same sins that everybody else is. But you know, hey, do you really want me to whip out a joint while I'm walking down the street? Come on, you guys complain enough about how it smells, and then. you know, but it's yeah, it's it's glass and it's metal, and then there's there's residue of cannabis oil in there as well. How do you how do you recycle that? I, it's it's practically impossible the way you know it is currently, and and I don't know. Uh, I'm actually very curious to see what the vape industry does about it. You know, that's not it, that you know the cartridge is theoretically packaging. Um, but that's definitely not not the kind of packaging that. Um, yeah, when it, when it's got that five ten thread. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just and then like some of them, there's all they all come from China. Uh, I don't know of any place, and correct me if I'm wrong, Internet. I don't know of any place that has uh, a vape cartridge, you know, manufacturer in the United States. No, no, I don't. And yeah, I don't. you know, wild about that too. Uh, I've seen those cartridges where they. Because now we have return policies in Washington because because they're from China, and I don't know how this works. As a guy who does electronics, like it's a simple fucking wiring thing, and then you plug it in and it doesn't work. I'm like how how does this? Because they're making them in bulk, and not all of them are going to be you know complete circuits. But 
Uh, I mean, it's a shitty way to product. Uh, James, do you guys have like a uh, like a R and D hemp like uh, uh, lab where you guys are trying to? Because I know one of the complaints I've heard about hemp packaging is it's not clear. Yeah, uh, it's gonna as far as being able to make uh, a transparent uh, plastic out of hemp. Yeah. That, that you know, it's not a question of reinventing the wheel. We it's something we do every day with other plant-based materials, specifically uh, corn-derived polymers. Um, but it is a matter of readapting that technology to a new bio-based feedstock. And you know, we could go out and do it today, but it it just wouldn't be at a price point that would ever sell. And this is where it goes back uh, to what we were talking about at the beginning, with just the general lack of of industrial hemp infrastructure. Yeah, and not only that, the uh, the farm subsidies for corn have been at work on corn prices, pushing them down for decades. The farm sure. subsidies for industrial hemp start next year. Exactly, mm-hmm. and hopefully, hopefully, we'll see it embraced uh, for a lot of yeah. subsidies because that that would go a long way because. You know, they're like taking back the CBD, though, that that lifter I was smoking earlier. It's great. Wonderful terpene profile, wonderful CBD profile, but it would be over the line on total THC. Like it's total THC might be approaching one percent, a little bit under maybe like 0.7, 0.8 total THC. But 0.3 percent delta or total THC is going to be the law of the land come 2021 crop year. And that could just screw up all these hemp farmers that have invested millions, if not billions of dollars in this new crop. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, my personal opinion would be to, you know, and I, I don't think this will happen for some time, but to go towards an intended use uh, yeah. where you know, similar to what they do in China for hemp, which is, you know, they, they don't care what the THC level in your hemp is, as long as its intended use is not for consumption. Hmm. Um, and that's how they distinguish it. So, you know, the, the hemp that they're growing for textiles, which is China's primary industrial uh, use for hemp, you know, that can be up to 10, 12, 13% THC. But as long as its intended use is for textiles, they don't care. Interesting. Yeah, I like uh, Dr. Ethan Russo's classification methods for the chemovars of the cannabis plant where we'll have like type one and that'll be like, you know, your wedding crashers, which is you know your recreational type uh, where it's just going to be high CB, uh, high THC. And then like your lifter would be type three because it's high CBD, very low THC. And then like your Harley Sue's or your Argyle's, your balanced one to one strains would be a type two. And so like type three would be hemp, but uh, I still like the intended use. That's nice. But then you could be doing the intended use. And the, I, I just don't think that America is going to go with that. Hopefully they'll, because the point right. three number, the point three number is completely arbitrary. It was literally just made up. Yeah. 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 Do you worry, James? Because, uh, um, you know, obviously the CBD craze is going on now and going to CBG eventually, but you know, just because of greed do you, and, and it takes a while to grow hemp. Do you worry like the textile you're going to run out at least for American source textile? Cause you know, Tom and I, as we've been doing this, we've learned that, you know, obviously nobody wants China hemp, but Africa, you know, it, it's a poor country that can't, you know, it's all natural for the most part being grown. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think the U S will ever, 
compete with China uh, in the textiles market. Um, where I do see bigger opportunity in the U.S. for industrial applications is uh, bioplastics, and then almost even more so building materials. Mm. Uh, you know, when you think of the concrete industry, for instance, there's no global concrete, you know, oh, yeah. or behemoth. There's a concrete company every 50 or 100 miles because no one's going to move the material that far because it's really heavy. Right. So gotcha. that's, where, that's where I see a big opportunity for domestic hemp is in building materials. So whether it's hempcrete or hemp fiberboard um, and then other things like insulation and then um, bioplastics. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think as far as textiles go, though, I I don't think we'll ever. You know, it'll be like it'll be like U.S. cotton. You know, where it's like, yeah, some, okay. people, some people want to buy domestic, and uh, we'll we'll pay the premium for U.S. cotton. But I think you know, U.S. hemp is going to be the same way for clothing. Sure, right. sure. Because uh, what's what's the life cycle for hemp? How long do you guys know how long it will take to get a good uh, crop? You know, if you're if you're doing it outside. Yeah, it's like uh, I think like eighty days. Is it eight days? Yeah, like 60 to 90 days. So. Yeah, and if you're doing industrial applications, there's an entire methodology out of like row crop it as opposed to how to crop it for uh, its, its mm -hmm. flowers. And so they you want to ha harvest at a particular thickness of the stalk because you, if it's too thick, then it's the harvesting equipment that you have and then the processing equipment will just be all screwed up. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a different method of farming the same plant entirely. Sure, sure. Sure. I think people underestimate like the fact that marijuana and hemp being the same plant though, uh, and like you're saying it's all about timing and how you grow it and treat it. Cause your hemp can turn into marijuana by accident, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just the way I mean, the, the plant itself is just so interesting. And then it's, uh, it's actually reproduces like that. Yeah. And so it's just trying to make seeds, you know, that's it's doing its biological thing. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, off the topic of uh, uh, packaging, uh, did you guys hear that the scientists discovered two new cannabinoids? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did uh, because you sent me that. Yeah. So, yeah, here they go. Scientists have discovered two new cannabinoids, THCP and CBDP. And the P stands for fun. No, it doesn't. It stands for biferol. So, furol right there. Tetrahydrocannabiferol. Evidently, it's 30 times more potent than THC. I'll have to test that one out. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's probably one of those things, though, that, um, you know, is this a synthetic uh, cannabinoid that uh, kind of like spice or K2, you know, you just you, you might just want to avoid. I mean, if it's yeah. 30 times stronger than THC. So that was it was lab yeah. produced. You're a fast reader, fucker. I don't know if I need anything stronger than THC. <laughs> yeah, good. Actually, sometimes I like some CBD because I've had too much THC. Exactly. Uh, CBD can put you right. I like it. It's great. I mean, the, the CBD aspect of it, I think, uh, has gotten the pharmaceutical industry fairly scared. James, are you a, 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 you're a consumer? Are you a grower as well? Uh, no, actually. I've, uh, I've helped some friends here and there with their home grows, but I've, I've never had a home grow of my own. Right. Um, yeah, so Is it legal out there in Cali if you wanted to? The home growing? Yeah, I absolutely think home growing should be legal. But is it? Is it for you? Mm. I don't think 64 did that. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
Uh, what did they end up doing in Illinois? Medical patients. So I've never homegrown, but as you can see, that plant still is not dead, despite yeah. how many times I have tried to kill it. And um, uh, now that I have my medical card, I'm able to grow five plants in my house. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to. I mean, like I've seen the rigs in some of my friends' places, and then the materials only cost like $300 or something like that. The problem is that I live in two different places right now. And so I'm going to continue to live in two different places. And so I was thinking about like when New York starts to legalize, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to camp out there for like a year and just make sure that New York legalizes it um, or, or as they get into it. Because I do, I help these teams, you know, put together their applications and stuff. And they, uh, they are fairly uniform across the United States. I mean, it's, it's highly regulated and they're looking for specific things, but um, Illinois did it a little bit differently in the sense mm -hmm. that they really took this social equity and they put it right into the, uh, the companies that are getting formed themselves. So that's really the only unique defining characteristic. And then all these consultants that are out there, not all of them are lawyers. In fact, most of them are not lawyers, and uh, but a, a large percentage is. So I could help them consult with their uh, package or their their applications in New York, and then also advise them like, don't do that. Don't. That's a stupid policy. We tried that in Illinois. This is what happened. Got a uh, question on transparency. This guy asked, uh, why focus on transparency of the plastic packaging when we only care to throw it away without killing the planet? And I think he's losing out. On the this is the hard part about activism is also being an adult where you're like, yeah, but it's, this is also marketing. You know, if you can attract more people to buy the hemp plastic, you're, you're saving the world more and more each, each way. I mean, you're already doing a great work with the ocean work and the, the hemp bio that you're doing now, but I'm just trying to explain to, to Nicholas that if we had a clear hemp plastic, well, more people will be buying it. No, it's a fine line because, you know, uh, I see where he's coming from and, you know, I agree, which is, you know, part of it's just what, what consumers expect, but, you know, just because a consumer expects it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing. And, yeah. and, you know, I think that's all part of, of changing perspectives and, you know, part of what we're trying to do is to change the narrative around packaging and, and the way people think about packaging. So like, you know, does it really need to be transparent? Um, and then, you know, if so, should we be using a different material instead, like maybe glass? Um, but you know, it just, it's, uh, it all becomes really complicated really fast. Cause then you start comparing things like glass to plastic and it's like, well, pla or glass isn't, you know, petroleum based, but at the same time, it's a lot heavier. Um, so it has a much larger carbon footprint from like a shipping perspective, yeah. more difficult to recycle. So basically the the point i'm making is you know the whole way we think about materials and packaging really i think we'll we'll see it to really start change globally over the next you know a uh, few years we're already starting to see it happen a lot in uh, the beauty industry and, and cosmetic mm. industry um but i think yeah it, it's not going to be just in cannabis but it's going to be a, a a more a more global shift that we'll see happening I hope so. Hey, I hope more consumers. Do you uh, do you still have like a prejudice in around cannabis in LA? Uh, how much of a stigma surrounds cannabis out out west where you live? Um, I mean, you know, I have the. I live in Venice. I consume pretty openly all over town. 
That is pretty liberal. Um, so you guys have really kind of beaten the cannabis prejudice. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm that asshole smoking a joint, though. So who knows? Okay. <laughs> but nobody's giving a shit. No, no, no. Um, but I, you know, Venice is also unique. I don't know what would happen if I did that in other parts of LA. I think I also have, you know, uh, the privilege of being able to do that as like a, a white guy. So like, I don't, I don't think many people are going to bother me. Right. Um, so, you know, I've got, I've got that as well. So, uh, but you know, for my personal experience, it's, it's pretty chill here. You'd be surprised though in California, even San Diego, the city uh, council is against uh, dispensaries and whatnot. I mean, they've been fighting for cannabis businesses in the San Diego area. I mean, even though it's the highlight, because I'm from Oceanside originally, and uh, okay, you know that that whole area is very liberal, beach going. I mean, it's pretty much stereotype. Uh, uh, what's that uh, skater movie with the uh, 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 Dogtown? Yeah, yeah, Dogtown. I mean, you know, it's, California is all like that, right? Just stone, happy. Yeah, but, but actually, I uh, and you guys might know better than me, but I believe that over half the counties in California did not vote to legalize um, or, you know, to have uh, legal cannabis sales in their, you know, areas of jurisdiction. So uh, a lot of California is still pretty dry in terms of, like, where you can and can't buy it um so the prejudice is real yeah 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 it, it's yeah. a thing <laughs> yeah we got to work on that you got to work on prejudice and single-use plastics yes <laughs> james thank you so much for joining us today uh where can we find and follow sauna packaging yeah you can uh on all the social media platforms we're just at sauna packaging all one word and our uh, website is uh, www.sonapackaging.com. Sweet. Awesome. As always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you next week. Bye, thanks. everybody. Thanks, Later. James. <laughs>